Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So James chapter number four, we're going to read some familiar verses. Um, Many times, uh, at least one of these verses is quoted just to remind us many times of the brevity of life. The fact that uh, life really is just something that is here for a short time and then is gone. And uh, so many of us have experienced, uh, at least with that principle of scripture in the sense of uh, that we know people who have left this earth far earlier than we wanted them to or that we thought they were going to. And, uh, and James brings out that specific uh, verse and that specific principle of life in general really to bring us to an understanding of our dependence on God. And so I hope that we'll see that today as we uh, look at how faith in action uh, even translates into the way that we plan our lives out, the way that we plan our days out um, should all also be informed by our faith in God, just as everything else is. And so James chapter 4, starting in verse 13, the Bible says this. It says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we just want to ask God, would you speak to each and every one of us individually, Lord, how we can grow with you in our individual walk with you, but Lord, even as a church, would you speak to us? And Lord, help us to take to heart, corporately even, how our lives should just ultimately be lived in humble dependence upon what you do and what you are doing, Lord, in our life. I pray that you'd speak to us in these ways and that you'd help us to apply what we hear this morning through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, how many of you just, uh, you can raise your hand if this is you, by nature are good planners. Anyone in here good, good planners? All right, I envy you, I do, for those of you who are, and those of you who feel my pain of you, want, you need things to be planned out, but you're not necessarily by nature good at planning things out, and that's hard. You're like, I need, I, it's weird for me because uh, like in my life when I'm uh, preparing for a sermon or if I'm uh, preparing for an event of some kind, I need the planning to take place. I need it. Uh, I, I'm not one of those guys who can just uh, read a verse and come up with three points, stand up and just whoosh, like throw uh, some amazing thing together last minute. Like uh, some, And most of the guys who do that, they've been studying the Word of God for decades, and so they know the Word of God and can do so. But that's just, that's just not me. That's not how my brain works. Uh, I, I have to have some kind of preparation and planning on the front end in order to have a, a, a good product on the back end, right? Whether that's in a sermon or whether that's an event or whether that's something that's taking place at our house, a life... Uh, 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 something in life, you know, I, pl- I plan out 
uh, I try to at least plan out uh, what we're going to do in our family uh, daily. Like, oh, this time, uh, and it never happens that way because me and my wife are totally different. I've said, talked to the, about that before. Like, dinner's going to happen at this time every single day. And it is, I don't think it's ever once hit that actual time that we said, you know, it's going to happen. But sometimes it's happened before, sometimes it's happened after. But I, at least in my mind, I'm planning it, right, so that it gets done. Um, but but I, I think that all of us would probably agree whether we're good at it by nature or whether we're bad at it by nature, that planning is something that is uh, necessary for our lives, that each and every one of us need um, to plan in some way or another in order to actually accomplish things that we need to. And we have, we have to plan for, uh, like I said, events, vacations, can't just most of the time just happen. Um, you know, so, some of you who... Uh, who get to enjoy retirement. Um, you know, maybe you, for you, a vacation can happen kind of spur of the moment. Let's go do this. And, and some of you have told me about those types of things, and I, I, I envy you. But, uh, but for the majority of people, you got to plan out a vacation months in advance. you got to plan it out, uh, especially if you're flying or driving and going to uh, book hotels or wherever you're going. There has to be pl- uh, planning and preparation that goes into those vacations or into our jobs and time off and uh, and scheduling of coworkers and employees that they happen on certain schedules and certain times, and we have to plan financially for things, right? Uh, I, I simply say all that to say, I think we're all on the same page. Planning is necessary for life, right? We have to plan. Everyone in here, in fact, is doing some planning of some kind, most likely, right now in your life. And, uh, and so what I want us to understand at the, at the front of the message is that James isn't talking about or telling us that planning is bad, okay? What he's about to say isn't saying that planning is unnecessary or that it's bad, but, um, but that, it, that it has to be done a certain way or with a certain mindset is what he says. Scripture, in fact, tells us throughout, uh, throughout it that planning is a good thing. I think of in the Proverbs, there's that verse uh, in chapter 6 of Proverbs that says, Go to the ant thou sluggard, right? That you lazy man, go to the ant and consider her ways and be wise. And this is how it says to consider her, that uh, having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathers, uh, gathers her food in the harvest. So like the ant, we should plan for what we know we will need in the future, is what the proverb tells us. And then Proverbs 21 says, the thoughts of the diligent or the plans of the diligent tend only to plenteousness but of everyone that is hasty only to want, telling us that good plans lead to good results and often hastiness leads to lacking in some area. And so there needs to be some planning and preparation there. In fact, we say it this way in America, uh, often you'll hear it this way, uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Have you ever heard that? Uh, If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I think we would all agree that planning is necessary, that it's smart. But the message this morning is not about whether we should plan or not, but how we should plan. So I want us to see what James is going to teach us, uh, that, that there's a way that we ought not to plan, and then there's a way that we ought to plan, that we should plan. There's something that we should avoid in our planning, and then there's something that we should include in our planning. Because uh, the, the 
premise of the book of James, we've said several times, is faith in action, right? That's the series title of uh, living out our faith in a specific way. Faith in action. Um, and we've seen already, whether in chapter 2 or 3, uh, and even a little bit in chapter 1, we've seen that our faith in God should inform the way we view trials, right? We've talked about that. That the, our faith in God should, view, uh, should inform and impact the way that we view temptation in our life. That uh, our faith in God should... Uh, inform our actions that we not just what we say but also what we do but then in ver- chapter three he says but it also should inform what you say and how you speak and uh, then last week we talked about that it, uh, our faith in God should even inform how we deal with other people and how we view conflict in our life and so uh, this week is no different this passage is no difference in that James is very specifically telling us this that our faith in God should inform a specific area of our life. And that area of our life is planning. And so really, the the statement that uh, this portion of Scripture, this passage, tells us is this, is that we should not plan with arrogant presumption, but instead we should plan with humble dependence upon God. All right, that, that's really what we're going to unpack this morning, is that we should not plan with arrogant presumption, but instead, we should plan with humble dependence upon God. So let's take that sta- statement. Let's, let's evaluate it this morning and learn how it applies to our everyday living. And so first of all, let's, let's just look at that first part, that we should not plan with arrogant presumption. I don't know if you noticed in James's example that he gave us, uh, they were pretty presumptuous in the way that they worded some things. They said uh, we, there was some certainty in their planning. We will go. We will stay for a year. We, we will, by, by implication, all of those things were a done deal in their mind. We, we will go. We will stay for a year. We will get a profit with our business. There, there was some presumptuous uh, presumption there in their life. And, and you sense that these people were operating with, with a thought process that was, uh, we are in complete control of our lives. No one else. We are in complete in control of our lives. That, you, you get that sense, and the reason we get that sense is because we see no mention of God at all in their plan of what they're going to do. And, and James is simply just telling us this, that uh, when we make our plans without God, it's arrogant and it's evil. If you look at verse 16, he says, uh, but now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. This, this arrogance it's, uh, that you have, it's, it's ultimately evil. To plan with such presumption and certainty and finality as though we are in control of our future is arrogant boasting. And James says it is evil. Well, why is this kind of planning so bad? The first reason that he tells us that it's arrogant and evil is because we don't know what will happen tomorrow. He says, you, you have no idea what's going to happen on the morrow. You don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. You, you probably have a good idea of what will take place tomorrow uh, at work or uh, at your house, you, how you'll go about accomplishing the things that you need to get done. You probably have a good idea about how that's going to take place, but you don't know for sure if that's how your day is going to go. Uh, you, you, your alarm may not go off. I mean, think about that. Your alarm may not go off or you forgot to set it tonight and then that's why it doesn't go off in the morning or the power goes out uh, in the middle of the night and so your alarm doesn't go off. You, you don't know that could take place. You, you might 
uh, get, get late to your day or there might be a lot of traffic uh, trying to cross the bridge uh, between Wenatchee or East Wenatchee if you work on the other side because of a wreck that took place. You don't know. What, what is in store for you tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to end up uh, accomplishing everything right in the timing that you think you're going to. Tomorrow you might think, well, I, I got to take the kids to school at this time and, and, uh, and then after that I'm going to go here and I'm going to accomplish these errands. Whatever you might think you're going to do, you don't know. You might wake up in the morning and you have a sick kid, right? We, we just don't know what's going to take place. There's so many variables that are there that we simply just do not know. I mean, think about it. Let me ask you this. Uh, in the course of your life, well, let's just think of like the past three to five years. Is your life three to five years ago the exact same as it is right now? Or what you thought your life was going to be today, three to five years ago, is it that? For most of us, no. No. But it's not. We, we thought, well, I'd be here. I, I would have moved to this place or I would have uh, still been in this job or I would be in a new job. Maybe you're, you thought you'd be in a new job and you're not. Maybe you thought you'd be in the same job and now you're in a new job. We just, in that amount of time, the, what we think is going to take place doesn't always take place. Life circumstances take place. Uh, uh, things in our world take place. Uh, 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 different rules of our government system take place, right? There's so many things that can interrupt what we think is going to take place in our life. So thinking about it even in that sense, doesn't it make sense then that in the next week or month or year or three to five years from now that there could be some things that we don't know are coming that come up? I mean, think about uh, some things maybe in your recent past that took place that you had zero notice of. You had zero notice of it coming up. It just happened all of a sudden. And, and then there you are having to deal with whatever came up. Isn't it, isn't it uh, probably wise to assume that that is going to take place again in your future? That something might come up with zero notice for you uh, and, and you just have to figure it out and deal with that? Absolutely that's possible that that could take place in our life. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know every single thing that tomorrow holds. But here's the thing uh, that's encouraging about it. We don't, but we know who does. God does. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he said this, There are two great certainties about things that shall come to pass. The first one is that God knows. And the second is that we do not know. <laughs> that God does know. And the second one is that we don't know. So we, we don't even know what's going to take place in the future. So that, that's the first reason that it's problematic It's for us to plan so arrogantly and presumptuously is because we don't even know what's going to take place. But then look at the second reason that he gives us in verse 14. He says, what is your life? It's even a vapor that it, here for a little time and then it vanishes away. The, the, uh, it's arrogant and evil to plan with absolute certainty and finality because you don't know how long you're going to live. You, you don't know uh, how, how long of a life you will have. The first problem with this kind of planning is uncertainty of the future, but the second problem with it is the brevity of life. It, it's short, and you don't know how short it's going to be. I was this week looking at some pictures as I was studying, and I, I have some of them that I'll share, but... Think about this first picture right here of Martin Luther King Jr. taken uh, just a day before the second picture when he was assassinated. 
Do you think that on this day when this picture was taken that he thought tomorrow I'm going to die? And there might have been some threats. You know, you read history. There were some threats and things. But do you think he thought in his mind, well, tomorrow I'm going to die? Most likely not. But yet the very next day, what took place? Someone assassinated him. I think of, uh, of uh, JFK. This picture was taken uh, in the parade right before we know what took, took place, that he got shot. Do you think that in that parade he was thinking, today's the day that I die? But his life ended just like that. The, the other one that I was looking at, this picture was taken of Franklin Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, the day before his uh, death. This Right here, a picture is taken the following day, dies of a stroke. Do you think when they, they were taking this picture, he thought, tomorrow I'm going to die of a stroke? The reality is this, no. The reality is we don't know what our life holds. Uh, and, and, and the truth is each and every one of us have just a brief time here on this earth. So I would call it the brevity of life. That's why it's arrogant to say, I will do this. With, with no thought of God and his plans at all, I will do this, I will go there, this will take place without considering that God is actually in control of those things. Because in just the snap of a finger, you could be here and then you could be gone. Your life is like a mist, a vapor, James says, that you see it for a little time and then it just is gone in the wind, gone in the air. If I asked all of us this morning, do you expect to die? Probably all of us would answer yes. Yeah, I expect to die one day. If the Lord doesn't come back, then I expect to die one day. But if I asked each and every one of us this morning, do you expect to be dead before tomorrow morning? Probably none of us would say yes. Uh, we, we wouldn't think that uh, that could be the time of our death. I mean, think about all of the people who will pass. It, just in this country, but all around the world, from this point till tomorrow morning. Do you think right now they're thinking in their head, I will pass away, I will die tomorrow? or in the middle of the night, do, do, do any of them have any idea that that could be their last breath? Most of them do not. Some maybe for health complications and things know it will be soon, but even they don't know when. They just know at some point. <clears throat> That's why it's so harmful and it's, it's so arrogant to do this with our planning because when we do, when we do that, when we plan just our own lives with zero dependence or zero thought or consideration to God and his inner working in our life, then we're taking our own future in our own hands. We're becoming God over our tomorrow when we don't even know what tomorrow holds. Which brings us to how we should plan. Okay? We shouldn't plan with zero consideration of God. We shouldn't plan our lives with arrogant presumption that I will do this, this will take place because we don't know what tomorrow holds and we don't know how long we have in this life. So how should we plan? Well, we should plan with a, a humble dependence upon God. In verse 15, he says, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. All of our planning in life should have this important disclaimer. If God wills it. If the Lord wills it. Now you don't have to, you don't have to say those words literally out loud every single time that you plan to do something. Some people do just to remind themselves. Like if Lord willing, I'll see you on Tuesday. You know, some, some, some people, they put that in their vocabulary just to remind themselves. But it, it doesn't just need to be a cliche that we say. This should be a conviction of our heart. 
This should be something that we actually believe deep within our heart that God is in control and every single time that we plan or we decide to do something that we're thinking in our minds, but I'm willing that it might be changed by how God has outlined my life. This means I recognize that there is a sovereign and that I am not that sovereign. That's really what this thought process comes down to. We should be in such a posture of regular dependence and submission to God that when we plan something a, a day or a week or a year from now that we have God's will at the center of our thoughts. Like, I'm going to make my plans, but ultimately I know that God's in control and whatever happens, I'm trusting him. If he wills this, then this will happen. And scripture tells us this over and over that we plan, but that God ultimately decides. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, A man's heart deviseth or plans his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, There are many devices in a man's heart, many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. We can plan and we should, but we should also be in such humble dependence before God that he can confirm or change those plans at will without a fight from us. God, I'm, I'm dependent upon you, and you're allowed to change it, and if you do, you won't get a fuss out of me because it's your will, not mine. So we try to walk in what we believe the will of God is for our lives, but we do also welcome him to change those plans. Okay, so what would a humble dependence upon God day by day as we make plans look like? What would that look like? How, how can I make sure that, that I'm allowing my faith in God to inform even the way that I plan my life. I, I want to get real practical here at the end and say just, just four easy steps that we can help ourselves to make sure that our faith in God is informing even the way that we plan out our lives. And the first thing is this, that we should always consult the word of God first. Consult the word of God first. The, the will of God for your life, the next decision that you're supposed to make in life, it is not a mystery or a puzzle to solve. The will of God is found in the word of God. That means you, you make a decision or a plan for your future, and when you do, you're not looking for some mystical sign uh, for, or a good feeling in your gut about it. You're looking for a Bible principle that guides that decision or that plan. Some people say, I, I wish I could find God's will for my life. I, I wish that he would just make it clear to me. And to that I say, he has. He's given us his word. When, when people tell me, as a pastor, they, they go to make decisions. Oftentimes, uh, you know, as a pastor, some people come for counsel, which we'll talk about in just a second, for counsel uh, of a decision. But some people just come already having made a decision and just seeing if you'll confirm it. And, and it, always, it always makes me a little uncomfortable when they say, I have peace in my heart about this decision, Pastor. And that, that's not, a, that's not a, a wrong statement in and by itself, but if that's all that someone is basing their decision or their plans upon, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because our plans cannot be based solely on how we feel. That's just as presumptuous as being arrogant about our plans. And thinking, I'm in control. When, oh, well, I feel good about this, so it must be right. That's just as presumptuous. That makes our feelings more of an authority than the Bible in our life. And a lot of people, they consult their experience, they consult their feelings of their heart or more without ever consulting the word. And many 
when they do consult the word of God, they don't do it first, they do it last, after they've already made up their minds. Which often turns then into using the word of God out of context to confirm the decision they've already made. Because they didn't go to the word of God first. They, they allowed their decision to inform how they interpreted scripture rather than letting scripture itself inform their decisions. So when you make plans, make sure you first of all consult the word of God. You might ask, and I, I only say this because there's always one. There's always one. When you talk about something like this, they're like, well, pastor, does that mean I need to ask, uh, consult the word of God tomorrow about what I wear? Here's the answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're like, how? Well, think about it. What, what, what I wear tomorrow is going to be consulted by what I know is true about the word of God. I, I know some things about the way that I dress I know that we're supposed to uh, dress modestly, that, that we're supposed to, uh, uh, the way that we dress is not supposed to bring attention to ourselves. There's principles of scripture that say that. And so because of that, then I'm going to make sure that I uh, dress according to how scripture says Christians dress, that I'm going to dress that way. This is why it's so important to internalize scripture in our hearts. Uh, when we learn and grow in God's word, then making decisions according to his word becomes a little easier and easier as we internalize his word. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm good to go when I internalize the word and never need to consult the word ever again, but, but uh, all of us should consistently be in God's word. And, and when I know what the Bible says about a particular thing, then going into decisions that have to do with that, it's easy to plan those out. Why? Because I already know what the Bible says about that. The, 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 what the uh, Bible says about like the importance of the local church and, and what it does in my life and how I'm supposed to serve in it. When I understand what the Bible says about that, I've consulted God's word on it. I know in my heart and in my mind what God says about that. Then what that's going to do is when I plan out my week, that's going to be a priority in my life. Okay, that, this is why it's so important for us to internalize God's word, that we understand what it says about things so that then our decisions and our plans throughout the week and throughout the day and throughout the years has his priorities in mind first, and then everything else comes around those things, right? So should I consult God about even those little details? Well, yeah, but as you have consulted at once, then it makes those decisions easier and easier as you've internalized those truths from God's word. If I know what the Bible says about the importance of reading, meditating on, and memorizing scripture, then I plan to do that in my life. See, here's really what I believe that we can learn from this passage is that if we're actively planning our lives with God and the things of God as our priority, then we'll be well, well on our way to finding true fulfillment and real rejoicing. Not rejoicing in our boasting and in what we can do, but true fulfillment and true rejoicing. When we, when we prioritize God and his word and the things that he has told us in his word are a priority to him, when we prioritize those things, We'll be well on our way to finding true fulfillment and true rejoicing. So consult God's word consistently throughout your life so that you know whether your plans and your decisions are in accordance with his will. And then the second thing is to pray. We said this in the book of James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. He abrades not. He, he gives so graciously and gener uh, generously when we ask him for wisdom. So if I need wisdom to plan out my life or to plan out my, my day or to prioritize some things in my life, who should I ask for that wisdom? The giver of wisdom. Pray and ask him. And then the next step would be seek godly counsel. 
Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Godly counsel, it's like a, it's like a safety net. A safety net. You may have been at, at like one of those shows, a circus or something, where there's someone walking a tightrope or they're doing trapeze or whatever, and there's no net underneath them. Man, that scares the me like crazy. I mean, it just scares me like crazy when I see it. It makes me so uncomfortable and uneasy. I know they're professionals, but there's just a, a, an ease that comes to my heart when I see the net underneath them, right? It, just in case something takes place. When I see that safety net, there's just this, uh, this uh, assurance that comes to me. The same is true when we're making decisions, that, that godly counsel is there to help catch us before we fall, and to catch us uh, before we uh, take, take those uh, uneasy steps in life. If we get a yes through God's word, then we take the next step of seeking godly counsel. We want to give God the space through a godly and experienced individual to tell us no if he needs to. And, and by the way, being told no to someone who's living in dependence to God is not a big deal. If, if I'm asking someone, I'm, I'm, I'm going to godly counsel and they say, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case and here's why and uh, I'll show you through the word of God or I, I see this in your life and I think that's why you're interpreting this to mean that the answer is actually no, not yes like you think. Someone who's living in true dependence upon God, that answer doesn't bother them. Why? Because they're, they're willing to let God change their direction. They're living fully with dependence upon him. But... <clears throat> Uh, we, we are, we're creating a safety net for ourselves by going to godly counsel as well. That, now, I'm not saying that the word of God isn't sufficient to tell us what we need, but, uh, but we can, I, I do know me and I know us, that sometimes when we've made a decision or we're looking for a reason to make a decision, that we have confirmation bias, Right? We see it everywhere. Like, I, I know that this is true, and so you read in Scripture, and then you find something to confirm it. I mean, people look at the sky and find uh, things in the sky to say, whoa, this is God giving me a sign. I mean, I accidentally burnt Jesus' face in my grilled cheese. This is a sign, right? You're just looking for things to confirm uh, what we think. And this is, uh, if I ever had a hobby horse, it's TikTok theologian. Some of you have probably caught on to that. And that's one of a my biggest pet peeves with a lot of those types of people is that they have a decision already made in their mind and then they come to scripture to find anything that might possibly confirm that rather than letting scripture itself inform how they believe and what they believe. So uh, I'm not saying God's word is, is not sufficient to give us the wisdom that we need, but godly counsel then helps us to see when someone is unbiased and they're kind of detached from the decision emotionally, uh, then they, they normally have an insight into you and into God's word that you're not seeing because of your confirmation bias. So this godly counsel is just a safety net for us to make sure I'm on the right track and following God's will and living in, with dependence upon him rather than just planning my life presumptuously, trying to take control myself. But then lastly, if we want to allow our faith to inform our planning, that we have to remain willing to change our mind if necessary. Part of that humility is being willing to change our minds if it comes down to it. How do I know I'm living in humble dependence upon God and not planning presumptuously? Well, the way that we know is if some of our plans have been changed by God. (laughs) When you're humble before God and willing to live in accordance to his will, then you're willing to turn around if needed. 
a lot of times we, uh, we have a problem or we have a hard time admitting that we're wrong, right? Especially us men, especially when we're driving, right? Okay, uh, that, <laughs> that is just hard to admit that we're wrong. Uh, and especially if you're married and your wife tells you you made a wrong turn and you're like, no, I know which way I'm going. It's just hard to sometimes admit that. But here's the thing, if you can just admit sometimes that you're wrong, then you haven't gone too far down the highway to where it's now like impossible to turn around and go the way you're supposed to. You just find the place to uh, make the U-turn as quick as possible and, and where is legal, right, to make the U-turn, that you go and you, uh, you get up the quickest turnaround possible to get, go the right direction. Listen, if we're in humble dependence upon God, not presuming that we're right, then when he comes and he says, no, 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 that's not right, we say, okay, and we turn. Instead of, instead of presuming that we're right longer and longer, because here's the hard thing about that. The longer you presume that you're right, the harder it is to, to admit that you're wrong. The longer that you presume you're right, the harder it is to admit that you're wrong. And so we need to live with this, this humble dependence upon God that when the Holy Spirit says reroute, whether he does that through his word or whether he does that through uh, godly counsel, that we don't just keep driving, that we find the nearest place to turn around. What James is simply telling us in these few short verses is this, planning is good, but planning without God is really bad. In fact, he says this, it's sin. Verse 17, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. This is speaking of the sin of omission. There are sins that we commit, right? Something that you do. But then there's sins of omission, something that you know to do but didn't do. James says that's just as much sin. And when you omit God from your decisions and your planning, James says you are in sin. One man said it's practical atheism. It's practical atheism that you're living as if God doesn't exist. Believing that he exists but then living in a way that acts as if he doesn't exist. This not ought to be the way that we live as Christians. We need to come to a point of humble dependence upon God, realizing that he is ultimately in control, not us. And instead of being overly self-confident, just going throughout our days, making decisions and plans completely devoid of God, acting as if we're in full control of our lives rather than God, we, we rather need to come to a point where we say, God, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of my plans. I want to look into your word as a lamp to my feet and a light to my path as the Bible says that it is so that I know which way to go. God, would you help me? I'm asking that you'd give me your wisdom. God, would you uh, get, have ultimate rule and reign in, this, uh, in, in my life just as I know that you do in this world? And I, I, I'm making my plans with you in mind, but I also recognize that you can and may change those plans at your will. And I'm okay with that, Lord. I'm trusting. I'll follow you all of the way. Donald, uh, Donald Snutkin, I think is how you say his name, says this. He says, make your plans in pencil, knowing that God has the eraser. And he also has a pen to write what he wants in ink. What a great thought for us this morning. Too often we try to write our plans in pen, acting as if we're all sovereign in our lives when we need to write our plans in pencil with a dependence upon God, knowing he can change those plans at any time. And he can also write something permanent if he wants to. 
He has the pen. So this morning, let's determine this from this passage. I'm going to allow my faith in God to inform not only my actions, not only my words, but even the way that I plan out my life. I believe in God. I believe in his goodness. I believe in his faithfulness. I believe in the priorities that he has stated in his word. And as a result, I'm going to let that faith inform the way that I plan my day, inform the way that I plan my week, inform the way that I plan my life. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.